Hey, my greetings to you. It's Jeremiah Timothy. I'm a bond servant of Christ. To know whether or not we are truly saved, one must examine their salvation based on scriptural truth rather than people's opinions or personal sentiments. As it is written, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When it comes to salvation, it's critical to know what is written in the Bible and to abide in God's truth because many people believe they are saved because they have performed a spiritual ceremony or said a prayer. Also, when we are asked if we're saved, our first thought is that God is only loving and forgiving without thinking any further. And so, of course, our answer would be we are saved if we believe in Jesus Christ. However, God's grace and love extend far beyond just loving and forgiving. Our discussion, therefore, in this episode will explore what salvation isn't, what salvation is, how to know if you are on the right track, as well as look into some of the truths written in the Bible about who is truly saved. Welcome to Truth Elevation Podcast, a podcast that strives to provide you with helpful insights and perspectives from the Bible to help you grow in your Christian faith and elevate God's truth in love. Let's start with talking about what salvation isn't. According to the scriptures, the teachings of Jesus Christ and the apostles disagree with the concept of salvation that emphasizes God's forgiveness and compassion while overlooking the entire truth about what grace truly is. In the book of Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 to 12, it is stated that, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And so, it is clear from this passage that God's grace is more than finding forgiveness and mercy for our sins, but rather here, it re it's referring to receiving the wonderful gift of God through which you and I can be free from the power of sin and put right before God. And so, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 to 11, we are informed that we were previously not regarded as people, nor did God show us compassion, but that we are now the recipient of His grace. However, there is more to it than that, because in verse 11, believers who were formerly strangers to faith, meaning us Christians, are instructed to abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. But often, we miss the point of the message of grace because we forget that it's not just about choosing Jesus Christ and experience God's love, but it's also about forsaking everything that is ungodly. It is specified in John chapter 1, verse 14 that Jesus came not only to grant us grace, but also to reveal the truth to us in order to transform us through it. In the same way, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 points out that we should not conform to this world, but be transformed by being renewed in the spirit of our minds. And from this we understand that grace does not imply that we are given a free pass to sin, nor does it imply that only Gentiles will be judged on Judgment Day. And we know this because Peter, the apostle, wrote the following, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, 
what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And what about the passage where Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And so, are we to believe that Jesus and the apostles made these statements so that we may dismiss them or make excuse for our sins or alter God's word to suit our weaknesses? Or is it that a clear forewarning to be aware of so that we do not deceive ourselves to chase after vain hopes that cannot deliver us nor save us? We need to be careful because there are plenty of misinterpretations about what salvation actually means. And so most people believe that if you have a positive attitude, act in a certain way that is acceptable in the community of, the, of believers, or because you call on the name of Jesus Christ alone and do everything in God's name, then this means you are saved. The main reason for this error is that many churches preach the word of God in a way that attempts to defend or justify people's flaws while ignoring the urgency of the call to be transformed into the likeness of Christ by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit. However, this error is not entirely new as it occurred during the time of Jesus Christ on earth. And to this, Jesus Christ said, if the blind lead the blind, both should fall into the ditch. If you want to read more about it, read in the book of Matthew chapter 15. Now, what is true salvation? Salvation is not just a one-time event where we ask Jesus into our hearts and then go on living however we want. It is a lifelong process of being transformed by the grace and truth of God so that our lives increasingly reflect his righteousness, holiness, faith, love, and etc. In James chapter 2 verse 14 to verse 26, we are informed that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. In other words, Simply believing in God is not sufficient. We need to witness God's redemptive work in our everyday lives. As evidence of this redemptive work, a transformed life comes forth, one which is expressed in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or else known as the fruits of of the Spirit. The fruits of the Holy Spirit refers to believers acquiring a life on earth influenced by the Holy Spirit Himself. You can read this more about in John chapter 3, verse 5, and Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Furthermore, God's standards should be applied to these descriptions of the fruits of the Holy Spirit not what the intelligence of man perceives or understands them to be. For example, what God considers acceptable might not be considered so by man. Now, what this means is that in order for someone to be saved, they need to be pure in heart and to have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It's a purification that includes a separate out from our old sinful nature 
and immersing ourselves more deeply in righteousness and holiness, which have a specific purpose when it comes to loving and living for God. Nevertheless, it's not something that we can do on our own. It is the work of the Holy Spirit in us as we learn to surrender to Him. We will begin to see the radical shift in our hearts first and then in our lives that display the fruits of the Holy Spirit. When He was still on the earth, Jesus Christ prayed for us as follows. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And again it is written in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having its this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. In conclusion, sanctification is a journey that we're on until the day we die or he returns, whichever comes first. Along the way, there will be many challenges and trials, but it is also a journey that is full of hope because we know that God is faithful and able to sanctify those who are his and are able to surrender to his Holy Spirit. May God bring your salvation to your life and to your household and to your dear ones.